This message comes from NPR sponsor, Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. No matter how people enjoy the outdoors, Sierra Nevada wants to make sure their voice is heard. So make a plan to vote today. Find out more at sierranevada.com. You're listening to the World Cafe. Hi, I'm Kaleo. There are few nicknames in rock and roll better than our guests. The Jesus of Cool. Nick Lowe has been a prolific songwriter for over 50 years, penning classics like What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, and Cruel to Be Kind. But in the 70s, he was known for his work as a producer at the upstart label Stiff Records, getting another A-plus nickname, Basher. Today, we dive into those years, finding out what life was like producing for his longtime friend Elvis Costello and the magic of recording the song Allison. Nick will also talk about his latest EP, Lay It On Me Baby, recorded with his longtime house band, Low Straight Jackets. But first, recorded from his West London house for the World Cafe, here's an acoustic performance of Lay It On Me Baby. Lay it on me, baby. Lay it on me till it gets right under my skin. And the merry
That's Lay It On Me Baby, uh, a home recording uh, from a song you can find on the new EP from our guest, Nick Lowe. That is Lay It On Me, the name of the new EP. Our old friend, Nick Lowe, who's joining us here on the cafe for, I believe, the 724th time. <laughs> Last we spoke, it was 2018 for the release of Tokyo Bay. It's nice to talk again. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Oh, it's great to be, it's, it's great to be back with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Where are you joining us uh, from today, first off, since we're doing the socially distanced thing? I'm in beautiful West London, quite uh, overcast and gloomy. Autumn is on the way. Fair enough. And it is still strange times, month seventh uh, of the COVID-19 situation. Uh, how, how are you doing? Well, like everyone else, you know, it's just, it's definitely not ideal. Um, but uh, uh, what are you going to do? There's a sort of, I suppose there's a sort of a righteousness, you know, you've got a sort of righteous feeling that mm, I've been out of work for the, almost the entire year, but at least it's not my fault. <laughs> right. Well, it's the communal, we're all in this together. Um, yeah. Have you been doing, uh, you know, people have been reading a lot, starting hobbies, maybe putting things, getting to things they've put off. Uh, has there anything that's been keeping your time in particular? Um, I've been taking the dog for a walk, you know, and uh, sitting out in the uh, in the garden reading a excellent uh, biography of Dean Martin, which I missed the first time it came out by Nick uh, Toshis. Is that how you say his name? Famous, a well-known music writer, very, very good writer indeed. Um, but he wrote this bi this uh, biography of Dean Martin, which is absolutely unputdownable. And uh, I've, I've just finished it. If there is one thing we could learn about Dean Martin uh, that you picked up from the book, what, what would it be? Oh, what a terrific question that is. Uh, well, um, that, you know, I was always led to believe that his whole sort of drunk act was, was just that, was an act. Not a bit of it. He was completely sourced when he went on stage. He could barely stand up, um, which I, uh, I, I, you know, but that's a one and a very, very minor thing from the, from the book. I, I really recommend it. It's, you know, I've read quite a lot of the biographies and most of the, most of, I can read a, a sort of rock and roll or watch a rock and roll biography about anybody, you know, really, I don't care if I don't like them very much, you know, they, I, I happen to think Dean Martin is all right. You know, an adequate singer, I must say, but he made it, sure made it go a long way, you know. But, um, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I liked him. I, I thought he I thought he was he was good. Well, I appreciate book, book Club with Nick Lowe. And people should be, <laughs> no, and seriously, people should be on the lookout. Now I'm going to read this book about Dean Martin. So we're here with Nick Lowe on the World Cafe. Lay It On Me is the name of the new EP. Up next... Uh, don't be nice to me, which is uh, an interesting sentiment. Uh, tell us about it. Oh, well, uh, I suppose it's when uh, the, 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 the idea is uh, um, if you, when you're so disgusted by yourself, <laughs> which is a theme I, I'm always interested in, you know, uh, uh, you know, when you when you've done something which you really are kind of ashamed of, you know, and then someone says to you, "Oh, well, it's, look, it's not bad. Uh, uh, they won't mind. You know, they'll understand that you did. You know, that sort of thing." And you just think, "Oh, God, please, you know, 
don't tr- don't try and tell me that you know that it's going to be all right you know don't don't be nice to me you know I, i'm sure i've said it um actually actually said those those words before you know don't be nice to me i feel so, uh, you know i feel too bad and uh i thought well that's a pretty good name for a song and there it is and there it is well then let us hear it uh here is a special home recording from our guest nick lowe don't be nice to me it's on the world cafe <laughs> Don't be nice to me I'm undeserving of your kind attention Don't be nice to me Better you pass me by I just put paid to the chance of loving a million And if you're nice to me to the World Cafe. Our guest today is Nick Lowe. That's a home recording, a performance of Don't Be Nice to Me. You can find it on his new EP, Lay It On Me. I'm Kaleo on the World Cafe. Um, you know, uh, Low Straight Jackets, for all intents and purposes, has been your house band for um, at the last several years. Um, on this EP, there was something I thought really kind of uh, cool. You, um, you, Low Straight Jackets have the final track on the on the LP, um, which is a cover of Shocking Blues' uh, Venus. And what I thought, what I f- found out was kind of fascinating is that you you serve as producer on your work with uh, your solo stuff and and with Low Straight Jackets. But 
you recording and producing that cover of Venus was the first time where you served as producer exclusive in I think almost 20 years. Uh, what was what was that experience like? Well, it's a it, it's a little bit of a stretch to say I, I produced it. I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty sort of uncomfortable with the with uh, with my still lingering reputation of a, as a producer because um, I don't sort of remember doing anything really with a, in 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 the days when I was in that line of work, you know. I, I mean, I must have done, like with Elvis, I must have done something that he, he liked, you know, otherwise he wouldn't <laughs> keep on, kept on asking me back. And I remember being there when they did it. But maybe maybe that's the sort of producing I liked, you know, was to, was to, to just encourage them to do it, you know, encourage the, uh, the artist to do it um, themselves. And uh, if they didn't have an idea, then maybe you could stick an idea in there for just just to sort of, uh, you know, make things come to life a little bit. So are you saying that your reputation as a, as, as a producer sort of precedes you in an almost uncomfortable way because of the way people sort of lionize it or talk about it? Well, it, I don't know if it's uncomfortable. It's a bit embarrassing, really. I just feel like a bit of a fraud, you know, because I, I was... I was certainly there when some some of the artists I was lucky enough to work with really did some great records, you know, like, well, Elvis Costello's, there's plenty of them, you know, Pump It Up, for instance, watching The Detectives and things like that. But I, I don't remember it being through me, you know, that it came about. So um, it's uh, it's nice that people still still remember me uh, from um, from the producing work I did, but I, I was, I, I always feel like it was a bit of a bit fraudulent, you know? Well, I, but I think it, it depends on what people's mentality of what a producer is supposed to be. And if yeah, it's supposed to, true. if it's supposed to facil facilitate the band doing their best work and your work as a producer is staying out of the way, then, then that makes you, I think a good producer. Um, and, but, you know, also, you know, stiff records, as an in-house producer, that has to be the strange, a strange gig where it's like you have all, all of these people coming in and it's not like someone hires you specifically to work on their record. They, a band just shows up. That has to be an incredibly different experience. Yes, it, it, uh, it was. And, um, back in those days, if you said you were a producer, then you were, you know, that's all you had to do, you know, <laughs> to persuade someone to let you sit in there and order them about. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, yes, I got co-opted into that job with, with, uh, stiff, um, because I'd made a few records, you know, in the more, more records than anybody else involved with it at that time. And uh, uh, and for a while, they did. I used to go to work, it, it, just like going to the office. Really, I'd turn up at this, this little studio we used to use in North London, and I did not know who was going to come through the door. It could, it could, it could have been anyone. And there were some really strange people who'd show up, and they'd all have a song, you know, uh, um, or they, you, you, you know. They'd start banging on the table or something, and uh, and it was great. Uh, it was a great experience to try and make a pop record out of 
out of uh, some of these people who were who were well quite ill. I thought <laughs> <laughs> that's a polite that's a polite some way to say cases, but um, but some of them, of course, weren't. Some of them were really really were fantastic, and they had all that energy going, you know, and they just they they thought this is my big break, and that's what Stiff Records was, was started for. You know, was to was to to uh, shine the spotlight or, or give an opportunity to people um, that the mainstream record companies wouldn't give house room to. You know, they didn't want these mad, you know, or not mad, eccentric. Sure. That's a good way of putting <laughs> Quite it. Quite a lot of them were. And, and, um, and we, we didn't do it as a, as a social service. You know, we thought these people are great. You know, this is way more interesting than these people are way more interesting than than uh, the mainstream at that at, certainly at that time you know we're talking about the mid 70s kind of sort of time and uh, so we we wanted to you know we, we really thought this could be good yeah we're here with nick Lowe on the world cafe so on elvis costello's my Aim is true right the 1977 debut not only were you producer depending on what your mile marker is for that. But yeah. you, you, you played an instrument, you played instruments, you played bass, piano, sang on the record. Um, that I imagine you feel there's, there's more involvement on your part because you're actually playing on the songs. Well, with that record in particular, uh, my aim is true. Um, uh, I was the boss then, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd done a few things for stiff. I got my feet under the table, you know, and, and uh, as the expression goes, and Elvis had come along, who I knew, I'd, I'd known him for a, for a while, because he used to come and see my old band, Brinsley Schwartz. He was a sort of fan. That's where he heard Peace, What's So Funny About Peace, I don't understand, because that was an old Brinsley Schwartz song. And um, so I, I, I knew him. But it was very much a sort of, okay, kid, you know, uh, used to, uh, yeah, okay, a bit of studio time, yeah, well, let's hear what you've got, you know. I was the sort of big I am, you know, a mm -hmm. bit, uh, and, uh, and he was the, the, the sort of bright-eyed newcomer. Seems almost incredible to think that there was a time when that was, <laughs> when that was the way it was. But, um, but anyway, uh, so, so to start with, um, I... I was sort of in charge, like a like a record producer, you know, would have been. But it really didn't take too long to figure out that um, this was somebody quite different, you know. And and the and if I if I had any wisdom at all, I would not just start ordering, you know, saying right, it goes like this and do that, and uh, you know just to just shut up and listen to what he's got to say and how he wants to how he wants to do it and that's when we started making you know making some progress really yeah was there was there a song in particular that you're you're proud of or that you were you enjoyed from the experience that that came kind of naturally because you followed his lead oh um i th i think allison really that that's when that came out of the speakers in this funny little place, I thought this was really, really something, you know, because it was very, very basic. And and it, and also, well, I mean, I suppose this is quite a well-known fact, but also in the, in those days, 
everything was done on tape. You know, there was pre, even pre-cassette, really. So if you wanted to, uh, uh, you know, listen to what you'd done during the day, you'd put a rough, a bit of tape up, you know, and record it onto a, a reel-to-reel, mm-hmm. you know, reel-to-reel tape, and take it home with you. And at the end of the day, um, I said to the uh, engineer, okay, I'll take, you know, just give me a mix of that. And he balanced it. It was pretty much balanced. You know, we'd finished doing the backing vocal or something like that. And he just sort of finished balancing up, did it. It took literally a minute. And um, that is the version that you hear because we tried to remix that thing again. We tried and tried and tried. And there's hardly any instruments on it. There's about five instruments on it. We tried so hard to get that balance back. And it was impossible. It never sounded as good as that rough mix. Now, why that should happen? And this, you hear this all the time, you know, people, oh, the rough mix is way better than the expensive thing we did. You do hear that. Um, but it happened on Alison and, it's, and other, other tunes as well. But Alison especially, and that is the rough mix, and we could not get it any better. Well, we, we have to we have to play a little bit of it then. One minute mix. Sometimes magic happens in the strangest yeah. ways. Yeah. It's Elvis Costello, a little bit of Allison here on World Cafe. Cause I don't know if you are loving somebody. I only know it isn't mine. Dirty. Sometimes it's perfection. That's Allison from Elvis Costello. We're talking to Nick Lowe, who produced the record here on World Cafe. His new EP is Lay It On Me. Um, the last time you joined us on the show, you played uh, Tokyo Bay, which at the time was your latest release. You're breaking out a, a home version of it for us today. Uh, any particular reason you decided to play it for us? Well, it's a really pretty good rock and roll song. It's not... It's not that easy to to write rock and roll songs, you know, and especially ones that that um, that you can play on an acoustic, you know, that work on an acoustic guitar. Uh, it, it's uh, and that's what I'm always trying to do, you know. Not so you don't rely on the volume, you know, of drums and bass and all the rest of it. But if you can get a rocking song. On a, to work on an acoustic guitar, then you really are in business. And it's a tune I really like to play, and uh, it works with a band, works without, fast, slow, you know, you know it's fireproof. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, let's listen to it. It's a home recording acoustic from our guest, Nick Lowe. It's Tokyo Bay on the World Cafe. I'll be long gone, daddy. I'll be a long gone daddy when they find my note Just for the record, this is what I wrote I'm relocating to a foreign shore You won't have me to kick around no more You can't make me stay, I'm leaving today It's anchors away, I'm shipping out to Tokyo Bay Solemn little geisha pining for me. Oh, 
under a parasol out on the key. She knows I'm coming from beyond the sea, and she's hoping and praying most fervently for her today's a day of smoking in Tokyo Bay. Some kind of hand, maybe picking up after the cabaret band. Anything to get my toes in the sands of Tokyo Bay. Playing a dim dark side canteen, I know with my collar turned up and my cap down low. All dressed up like a matalow. I've got my grip in my hand, packed, ready to go. I'll be along, daddy, when they find my note. But just for the record, this is what I wrote. You, you, you can't make me stay. I'm leaving today. So glad to say I'm heading up the gangway, bound for Tokyo Bay. On the World Cafe, that's Nick Lowe with a special home recording of Tokyo Bay. You're listening to the World Cafe. I'm Kaleo. His latest EP is Lay It On Me. Um, so I saw a video on Rolling Stone that you recorded um, in quarantine, um, and it features your son Roy uh, on drums, and it was absolutely delightful. But I have to ask, why in God's name did you let him learn drums? <laughs> well, I of course I did. I didn't have anything to do with that. Um, he, uh, he, he, I mean, I, I remember the, I remember the day that we were driving um, to the the market or somewhere, and uh, Roy was in the back when he was a baby, and he, we used to listen to music in the car, and one day um, he was banging on the on the back of my seat. And he banged back right on time, right on the beat. He was this when he was a baby, really. He banged right in time or on the on the beat, and and then again on the next backbeat, he banged it, and then again three times. And then I looked at Pete, my my missus. We didn't say a word, but we were waiting to see if he'd do it a fourth time. And sure enough, he did. And that was the first time that. You know, we knew it wasn't a fluke that he could hear this, but he was right on the beat. And from then on, he just always got this music thing. It was it was really weird. It's nothing. There's nothing. I didn't have anything to do with it except to play him a few good records. But now he's um he he can definitely do it. It's um it, it's really weird, actually. I think that's kind of remarkable. That's just, it's a great story. And I imagine as a dad, as a musician, I, I'm assuming that you are supportive of, of the musical endeavors, obviously. Well, well, I, I am because it, 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 I do get a kick out of it because it, it's like watching a lab experiment, you know, like a, some rat 
you know, in, in, under some <laughs> strange lab conditions that he seems to be able to do this thing. And, and uh, I, haven't, I haven't made him do it. You know, he just seems to have got it in him. And uh, uh, I, I have got mixed feelings, though, on a serious note, because it, it's such a precarious business, you know. And when, when I started out in the, in the 1960s, it was, you know, really... The, the, it was quite easy to get, to get a gig, you know, and to, if you really wanted to do it, you know, it was, it was really pretty easy. And, um, uh, and there was a lot of opportunity for you to learn your trade, you know, without, without being spotted too early. And nowadays, if anyone's got any talent, talent at all, what, you know, they, the spotlight falls on them and they, they get famous too quick or something like that. They can't, you know, and, and the next thing happens, they're chucked aside and they get, don't get an opportunity to work out what, how they're going to, have a career you know any kind of lengthy career so I, I do worry about him and he he's not really just interested in playing the drums Roy isn't just interested in playing the drums uh thank goodness you know he's he's really wants to be some sort of producer and he he does a lot of music which I, I you know I, I in the normal run of events I wouldn't be very interested in he likes grime which is a sort of London rap music you know which he does on the computer, you know, but so he can play rock and roll. He likes Doris Day and sort of Bing Crosby as well, you know. So I, my, my generation, we, we had, did never had that sort of wide range of music to, to choose from. So I, I've got very mixed feelings, I suppose. That's a long way of saying I've got very mixed feelings about it because I worry about him, you know. No, of course. I mean, as a dad and, you know, I, I completely agree. You know, there now the the barrier to entry to being a musician is is it's been democratized in a lot of ways you don't have to have a lot of money in a stu in studio time that's a very good way of putting it yes we're here with nick Lowe on world cafe the new ep is lay it on me um so uh, here's i don't know why i thought of this question but i i've always enjoyed your songwriting and and you have a reputation as being a very good songwriter and i am just maybe a, an odd one for you, but is there a song and any song uh, that you wish you would have written when you heard it and said, Oh, I wish I could have written that. Oh my goodness. So many, <laughs> so many great songs, but uh, the, um, I suppose the one that's ones that come to mind are, um, I love uh, at the dark end of the street, for instance. Oh, I've always loved that song. Um, a lot of uh, Arthur Alexander's um, songs I, I'm, a, I'm a great fan of. Um, Better Move On. But also, you know, I like, I like older, older stuff too. I mean, I was thinking about, um, thinking about Doris Day, you know, I just blew in from the Windy City, you know, <laughs> things like that from Calamity Jane. You know, I love that old-fashioned um, songwriting. Pre, a lot. I, I, I'm one of those pre-Beatle guys. You know, I love pop music. I love the Beatles. You know, I love the Beatles. Of course, I do. But I also think that they messed it up all up. You know, when they came along and said, "Hey, come on in. Anyone can write a song." You know, in, in one way that's great. You know, but in another way, it all went downhill after that. <laughs> <laughs> it changed the way songwriting was sort of approached because the Beatles sort of had this 
like verse course verse very sort of i would it's well, yeah, i love brilliant it. Don't, simplicity. don't get me wrong it's a very complicated sort of relationship i have with them but but i you know i i love all the, all the old you know the the, the Brill Building stuff, of course, you know, and and um, the producers like Burt Burns did, you know, when they were making soul records, this great soul pop uh, music, um, which was so, you know, so sophisticated, you know, but so it's hard to believe that that stuff was ever in the top, you know, in the hit parade or whatever they called it back then. <laughs> We're talking to Nick Lowe here on World Cafe. I guess the inverse would be, is there a song you wish you hadn't written? <laughs> oh, God, there's loads of love. Mostly, um, m you know, m mostly they are they are forgotten. You know, I, I have, I've written hundreds of songs and you can really, I mean, it's all in the ear of the beholder, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. but, um, to, to me, I, I would think that, 85% of them really are totally forgettable. And and of the other 15% left, I would think that, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, that 10% of them are okay. And and um, the last five are, are pretty good. I would think 5% is pretty good. But that's quite a lot of songs, you know. That, I mean, I've written hundreds of them. That's a good batting average, though. Some some people don't don't have that sort of success. Do you feel like you've gotten be better at it as time goes on because you know what you like and what you don't like? That's a, again, that's a that's a really good question. It's, uh, I mean, I think so. I think I, I'm I'm much better at it now. Except, um, unfortunately, I'm 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 an old guy now, you know, and so I'm much fussier about it. You know, the stuff I used to. You know, I think, no, I've heard that. You know, you've done that before. You know, that old trick, you know, I know I was going to go for that, you know. Whereas, in fact, there's probably a bit of mileage in some of those old tricks. You know? <laughs> I could probably use, squeeze them by again, you know. But I'm much fussier now, so I'm not as... I was never, I've never been really prolific, even though I've written hundreds of them. It's because I've been at it for such a long time, really, more than, you know, I can't stop, you know, like some kind of Tourette's, you know. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm much fussier nowadays uh, uh, about it. So I don't know. Is it better when you're young and you're just churning it out, you know, and uh, um, who knows? I'm, I'm very grateful that I've been able to do it, though. <laughs> yeah. And there's, some, and there's some great songs that continue on. We're talking to Nick Lowe here on World Cafe. The new EP is Lay It On Me. Um, to close out, I, I thought this was a great song to close out on. You know, hope is a good thing and something that we could all use a little bit of right now in this very um, uncertain time, I believe is what people say. Um, the last song we're going to hear is Hope for Us All. Uh, what inspired that? Um, well, I, I think it was, a, um, I think it was a, a, a love song. You know, when I, when I, when I met uh, my, my, my wife, Peter, I'd been... Uh, I, you know, I I I didn't I, I never thought that I was that was going to. I'd been married before, and uh, and even though I've got nothing but good memories about um, being married to Carleen, you know Carleen Carter, who I, I was married to. You know, she's really fantastic. We're still very on very good terms now, um, but I really thought, nah, I'm afraid. You know, you you're just a hopeless case, really. You know. <laughs> Gonna, it's not for you, you know this, but 
you know, here I found myself in love again, you know, and um, and uh, starting to get to get married again. And so it was a, you know, it was a genuine sort of love song. And um, and I really did think, well, if even I can <laughs> figure it out, you know, there's hope for us all. It was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a real Tin Pan Alley sentiment, you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And something probably we could use a little bit more of uh, uh, as everything continues on uh, during this pandemic. So um, let's hear it. Let's hear a, a very cool home recording uh, closing us out here. It's Hope for Us All from Nick Lowe on World Cafe.
on the World Cafe, it's Nick Lowe in performance, a special home recording on the on the very hi-fi, lo-fi device that is a cell phone, uh, which is great. Uh, hope for us all here on the cafe. The latest EP is Lay It On Me. Nick, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for gracing our airwaves, telling us some great stories and sharing some great songs. Well, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you. You got it. It's Nick Lowe. We'll be back in a moment with more World Cafe.